0: Certain dysfunctions in our families manifest in our adult behaviors, preventing us from showing up as our authentic selves. Welcome to Born and Bred, a podcast all about identifying parts of us that need healing as a result of our backgrounds. I'm your host, Tebiso Mwirani, and get comfortable. Hey guys, welcome to Bone and Bread. My name is Tepi Somerani, but you can call me Mastepi. Season 2, we are finally here. I'm so excited today to be sitting with someone who's going to give us a little bit of information, professional information about trauma and healing our trauma. Um, Her name is Vuyolue Tutuluma. She is a clinical psychologist. She seems like such a cool and calm psychologist. And I'm saying this first up, upright because I know it's such a dread for most of us to think should I need to see a psychologist so if you know that being in a psychologist's room is quite daunting for you hang around listen to us listen to her she's so cool um, welcome to Born and bread for your too
1: Oh, thank you so much I'm so glad to be uh, in this podcast I'm looking forward to our discussion and just, you know, talking about trauma. So thank you for inviting me.
0: I like to ask my guests, um, the first question to them would be, please introduce us to your younger self. And I like asking this question, Ryo, because I feel like this is a very inviting question. Um, just purely because it invites our inner child into the conversation, which is exactly where I want us to go from like a healing perspective, where I want us to start. So I'm interested to find out how a clinical psychologist would answer a question like this. So a seven, eight year old Vuyolue Tutuluma, can you just introduce us to her, please?
1: Oh, this is a great question because, you know, my childhood was very playful. I was such a playful child. I used to be involved in a lot of activities. By the way, I grew up in a rural area, so in the rural area, we have all sorts of activities or back then, I don't know now, but back then we used to have a lot of activities, like traditional activities, so I used to participate quite a lot in that. I used to love music, I used to love singing, I used to love performing as a child. So I was a very playful child, and when I remember my childhood, I just smiled because it was such a, a pleasant childhood for me. That's incredible.
0: Wow. I mean, your smile now says a lot. It says I enjoyed that time and phase of my life. So Vuyo, we. So a lot of people say that the first step to healing... Is self-awareness and being aware of where you are hurt and how you are hurt in your content. I mean, I love your Instagram page. I Camp there. There's a uh, a video you posted, and you spoke about unpacking pain. And for most of us, I mean, once you're aware that I'm hurt and this is the kind of hurt I'm feeling, and this is why I'm hurt, you in in just doing that just that act of understanding that this is where I am emotionally, I mean pain, just that act brings more pain. You feel like you're digging deep into the pain, but you're encouraging us to unpack the pain. How does unpacking the pain look like in a session with you?
1: Uh, I firstly want to say that uh, most of us as human beings, we are kind of unaware of certain traumatic experiences or events that happened to us when we were growing up. Um, So they kind of are in our unconscious mind and we go along without, you know, resolving those, those things that have happened or traumatic things that have happened to us. And so the process of coming to a psychologist is really you, the person who has... Uh, a problem, let's say now you are depressed, or people are noticing that you have signs of depression, or people are noticing that you're quite anxious, or things are not going well for you at work, things are not going well for you in relationships. This is where it comes out. So, let's say if I make an example of work related issues at work, now you start to use substances or at work you become absent, you don't do your work properly and so maybe your manager suggests that you go to a psychologist. So I'm just trying to paint a picture of how sometimes you are so unaware of the fact that we still need to heal from our traumatic experiences. So when you come consult with a psychologist or myself, you then, you don't know what is wrong. You don't know what has triggered you to function in a way that you are functioning, which is dysfunctional. So what I do then, I bring those things into your awareness. And 90% of the time, it has to do with things that have happened to you in your early development. And so the process of unpacking is really the question you just asked me now. Just go back to when you were a child. Talk to me about well, the things that have happened that you didn't like. Talk to me about, you know, your relationship with your father, your relationship with your mother. So we go back earlier on, your earlier years of development, and that's where we can see that, all right, there have been traumatic experiences, and this is what you need to unpack, and this is what you need to become conscious of, or you need to become aware of. So most of us as human beings, we are, we are unaware of these things. Only sometimes when you come to a psychologist, you become aware of certain things. Um, so the, as I said The way that it comes out It comes out through certain Dysfunctions or odd behaviours That you display to the people Who know you or the people You work with
0: So where when I yo, Like when I first started Going to therapy um, I mean I could see And feel that there are things That are a little bit off about me And I could actually For some reason I got the neck of it And I could identify and link some of those things and behaviors and characteristics to my background so and i'll give you a little bit of my background guys i'm letting you in on a therapy session essentially yeah so please take what i'm saying with a pinch of salt (laughs) um so i grew up in a environment where my parents fought a lot they loved each other dearly and they they fought, fought 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 a lot they, I mean, mm. when I started going to therapy, I started seeing them in a different light because I thought these are human beings that had to deal with unresolved trauma and grow up and become adults and become parents. So what I'm essentially trying to say to you is that if we don't heal our trauma, we carry it throughout essentially our life and it spills over to, to our work. Um, and which is what I'm, I'm getting from you which essentially is what Born and Braid is trying to bring to the forefront with people to say, maybe let's be a little bit conscious about why we are hurt and where we are hurt so that we can start healing from that point. Um, mm. And where I, I just want to say, so I, like I'm saying to you, I grew up in a household where my parents fought a lot. And, hmm. um, and I mean, in as much as they loved me and my sibling and they loved each other, um, they, so they displayed their, their fights were quite explicit to, we could see them as children. And I see myself mm-hmm. quite, in some instances, I'm very short-tempered like my mom. And in the fights, I could see how, like, short-tempered she was, and she was very irrational, and she was, I, I want to say, her language was quite not appropriate for children around, well, p- the children that, that would um, um, witness the fights, which were me, my little self, my eight-year-old, seven, six-year-old. And and so I'm trying to say to you, I've seen part of my mom in those fights like unfold in me as an adult now. Do you think that I'm suffering from um, intergenerational trauma? Do you think it has been passed on to me?
1: Yes, in fact, you know, um, research, there's uh, research that has been done that says that it can be hereditary, um, that now if your mom was, you know, she had these anger outbursts, I'm not saying that you said that, right? Yeah. She had these anger outbursts or had these certain behaviors, you can inherit those behaviors as well so it can be um, hereditary so there is intergenerational trauma and you can get it through that but it's also a learned behavior we mustn't forget um, that as well so it's two things it could be hereditary and also a learned behavior because children learn from their parents they learn Especially the emotions and how to relate with other people. So, you might have just learned that this is how things were done, and so you automatically then do that as well. But the good news is that you can always unlearn that, right?
0: Exactly, yeah. You can always like stop feeding the cycle and breaking the cycle. And what are the things that you feel that don't require you to really sit with a psychologist that you could do? To try and start that process of unlearning and um, recreating, essentially your psychology from just a trauma and healing perspective.
1: All right, I think in one of my Instagram videos, I spoke about journaling. So, journaling is a great way to really unpack your thoughts. So, what one could just start by journaling, and when you journal, of course, you write down the thoughts as they come. It's not like you prepare to journal. Sometimes whatever comes up, you journal. Because the process of journaling is all about tracking your thoughts, it's it's tracking your thought patterns. So I think journaling is a great way to start without um, going to a psychologist. Uh, but another way is just talking about it, talking about it with maybe your your friends, talking about it, even with your parents as well. Like if you start to notice certain things, you can just bring out that topic and start to talk to your parents about it, um, just or your family members about or what, what may possibly be going on with you or what you might be noticing about you. So... You don't at first you don't necessarily have to go to a psychologist. You can start maybe journaling, you can then or start these conversations with the people that are around you.
0: Yeah. Yeah, and how do you how do you feel about the fact that most of us that try as a psychologist? How do you feel about the, the fact that most of us that try to speak about our traumatic experiences as kids? It brings so much shame to the family. And so much guilt to the parents. Whereas the aim is not for me to make you feel guilty because I know as a parent, you loved me and you did everything that you could. But the reality is you yes. parented me under so many wounds that you yourself didn't even heal or didn't even know you had. So once we start, and I mean, it's a great thing to tell your story, especially to the people that are part of the story, you it's know, super. that, yeah. Yes. So, so how, What are your thoughts around the shame that comes with saying those things to your parents and the fact that they might be feeling guilty and, in fact, make you feel like you're very unappreciative as a a person?
1: Yes. In fact, I've been reading quite a lot about generational trauma or intergenerational trauma. And and that's the issue with... um, the the healing process is that with generational trauma you know, let's say your grandmother for example their way of resolving things was not to communicate about them, it was to keep quiet and so they passed it down to your mother and your mother does not want to talk about the issues as well and they pass it down to you and so they're going to shame you now because you're trying to break the generational trauma, they're going to shame you because it's not something that they are used to so i think the older generation is they are not used to talking about their traumatic experiences or about their emotions and feelings and so they shame you when you start to say okay let's talk about this let's talk about what's going on within this family and to them it's just like no we cannot be talking about this because it's unknown to us this is not how we handle things we handle things by keeping quiet putting them under the carpet, and hopefully, you know, it will go away. So I'm talking about now avoidance, but we know that when you avoid certain things, they never go away. So I think part of the shame is that they're just not used to talking about the emotions, they are just not used to talking about trauma and the painful experiences that they've had, and they have a certain way that they handle or they manage their emotional pain, which is not... um, how it should be done so for you as now this generation trying to break that comes with a lot of challenges and it might make you feel like what's the point then why should i be talking about this with my family
0: yeah exactly i did a podcast episode with one of the guys and immediately after the podcast episode his worry was his family because we spoke a lot about our childhood right And I mean, the experiences we had with our parents in our household, most of them weren't pleasant. But surrounding them, there was a lot of love in the family. But there were deeper things that, in fact, inflicted pain and hurt. But after the episode, he the first worry was, am I going to shame my family? And I said to him, I remember saying to him, they're part of your story. They're part of your story and Mm. your story is important to you and you're trying to heal yourself not taking away the fact that you had an amazing childhood with great parents and great um um siblings that loved you but i mean when you when you are in an environment where the people that are meant to be your guiding lights as a child are hurting the reality is that a little bit of their hurt and their their bleeding will fall onto you not to say that because they hate you or it's just unintentional i also heard on a podcast, one guy was being interviewed, and he said he was about nine years old, and he accompanied his dad to the taxi and That would mm. be the last time he saw the dad for many, many years after it was a casual day mm. where they went and and um i mean he he like usual he umkapema Dicksin and the dad was gone for mm. a while. That was so painful to listen to and hear because. Like, I'm, like I said to you, when I started therapy, I started looking at my parents as human beings that were hurt. Could we have known that some of the men that leave the household, are they hurt or what's going on? Do you know what I mean? We would never know because yeah. there's a lot of shame that comes with trauma and talking about traumatic experiences that there are many people, adults now, that would never know why their parents acted out or like became the people that they were. So, Violetta, I want to, yeah, I'll let you speak. Go for it.
1: No, I was just about to say they don't know how powerful it is to actually um, give this information and knowledge about why they behave a certain way, like to abandon your child um, to be an absent father. There's certainly a reason for that. And if you could just give me that information and share with me why you had made that decision, it would make me, you know, my healing process easier. Because no one just gets up and abandons a child out of nowhere. There has to be something um, that happened, or it go- but in other instances, it could be that you're just not responsible. But in other instances, there's something deeper that's happening. You can't just decide one day to abandon your child. So giving that kind of information might help with the healing process.
0: Yeah, yeah. And now I want us to talk about once that trauma has happened to the child, now the child has to find coping mechanisms. What are childhood coping mechanisms? Have you just in your practice picked up from people that come to you with childhood trauma issues and you can see immediately that this person for throughout their childhood they've been coping and this is the strategies they've been using to cope what are those common strategies maybe some of us will pick up and go okay that sounds like me you know
1: oh, okay I, I i think i want to answer this one in two ways the one is that People who have experienced trauma don't really have good coping mechanisms. They've got dysfunctional coping mechanisms, so most people are using substances. It's not really a coping mechanism. That's why I said uh, it's, it's more of a dysfunctional. You may think that you're you're coping, but you're not. If you're using alcohol, or you now you now people are saying that you are an alcoholic it means that there's a problem. So most people are using dysfunction, dysfunctional coping mechanisms such as substances or, you know, some people are are, are working a little bit too much um, and they neglect their mental health. So you start to work quite a lot and you start to dedicate most of your time through work that's also not a good coping mechanism because you, you are neglecting or you're avoiding what is actually happening to you. So that's the first part. People are have got a lot of dysfunctional coping mechanisms. And the second part is that I always bring out the point that people are quite resilient. A lot of painful things have happened to people, but they try and try again to sort of cope with what has happened. So I I bring this to my clients that the reason why you're here today is because of your resilience. So people are quite resilient and um, people may go through quite a lot of things, but they still manage to get up in the morning and go to work. They still manage to do certain things in their life. And when you think about it, you're like, I don't know how you do it when you've been through quite a lot. So if we can then talk about the good coping mechanisms, because in therapy, we also go through, okay, what are the possible good coping mechanisms then you can adopt? I think the one we spoke about, um, the journaling is a good coping mechanism. Exercising, um, there are different forms of exercises, so that is also a good coping mechanism. Um, meditation, I always recommend meditation is a good coping mechanism. Talking about your issue, having a good support system is also a good coping mechanism. Um, so I think I've listed quite quite a lot of coping mechanisms that you know people can use, but of course. I also ask the question of when you have stress, like, for example, I would ask you now, Teppi, when you have stress, how do you normally uh, cope with your stress? Because people do have their own coping mechanisms. But then I just try to assess, is it a functional coping mechanism or is it not? So maybe you could answer that question for me. So when you're stressed, what coping mechanism do you use?
0: So when I'm stressed, I find things to do. (laughs) I'll create like something to do when I'm stressed. I can't. It's hard to even take a nap. I'll clean if if like I have like cleaning okay. work to do. I'll clean if I have extra work for work. I'll do that. If I play, if I can play with my kids and they're around, then I'll play with them. But I I struggle to even concentrate watching TV or reading when I'm stressed. I I find physical things to do.
1: Okay, so then I would say the physical things are quite good, but I don't know. When you're like, when you keep busy or you're always wanting to keep busy, it could serve as a distraction. So I don't want it to distract you from anything. Just be careful of not distracting you from what you would need to to heal from, if you know what I mean.
0: That is so true. That's accurate. Like distraction is the right word to describe actually how I do deal with (laughs) stresses. Okay. And so, we're, when we are children, do we know at that point that I guess we wouldn't know, right? At seven, eight years old, that maybe always waking up early in the morning to go play to avoid being at home is a coping mechanism. Do you think, as children, particularly mm. that are in environments that create childhood traumas, do you think we our little brains brains can actually articulate and go find something for you to do so that you're out of this place for a little bit like an escape
1: uh, well it's a a good question that you're, you're asking but with kids um, they could, there are some, kids are different and in, in the way that they, they would respond to certain traumatic environments. So some would, they wouldn't know that's what they're actually doing. For some, they would maybe go play and to, to, to distract them from whatever is happening within the home. But I, I think 80% of kids just don't know how to cope with a traumatic environment. They really just don't know how to cope with a traumatic environment and it comes up at school so you see that something is going on at home when the child acts out in school start having these aggressive or they become irritable in school or academically they start the functioning starts to deteriorate so i think that's how you would notice that something is going on at home and that's how you would tell that okay there's something going on at home there's there's a toxic environment at home or something that is, is 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 affecting the child is happening is happening at home and that you would see obviously at school when the teachers start to call and they report that the child is just maybe bullying other kids for example yeah. or the child now is unable to concentrate and focus in class and maybe they're not doing their homework or they are failing tests so those are the signs that there's something going on at home with children. But there are those kids who find an escape, but it's quite rare, I must say.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Sure. That's interesting. Um, and as adults in, in our adulthood and trying to raise children, I have two boys. Um, in trying to raise kids, how do we sort of, if we, if I'm not aware that I'm hurting my kids what are the signs do you think would show that this one has created for himself a way to cope and I, I might be because I'm a parent who's trying to heal I've realized now that maybe me losing my temper is hurting him how like are there any common signs that go okay here he's creating a coping mechanism and how this is how the coping mechanism is or this is what the coping mechanism is
1: Okay, I, I can think of, of one. Kids always, you know, lock themselves in the room. Let's say if they have their own room, they always are withdrawn or they isolate themselves. So you'd see that the child is not coming to watch TV um, the child is not communicating with you is not talking to you so they're quite withdrawn and they isolate themselves they are always alone and they stay in their room or they always play alone or you know they do activities on their own so once you notice that and it's unusual for your child to sort of do that then just know that there's something going on there
0: yeah So I wanted to go back a little bit, um, to just ask you about, you know, when you're like as an adult and you can pick up that maybe this part of me, maybe the way the, how much I drink is exactly how maybe mom or dad used to consume alcohol. When, once you Hmm. realize those kind of things, you tend to like blame them so much. And I know that you said that it's familiar territory. It's learned behavior. How do you mm. go about your healing without like resenting them and like accepting that this is who they were and for whatever reason they were like that. But you've now have this person to deal with that has sucked up that kind of behavior. How do I mm. look at myself as an individual and accept and forgive the other person, be it mom, dad, whoever, whom I feel I've learned the behavior from?
1: Mm. No, I I always say that this is the healing journey itself is a process, and it's an individual process. So the resentment itself, you know, I, I don't want to force someone to not have those emotions of resenting their their parent for having you know um, impacted them in, in that way so have your resentment i always say okay resent your parent but just know that there's a time where you now have to focus on your mental health and take ownership of your part of you know the way that you've participated in being where you are thus far or participated in you being addicted to certain substances it's okay to be resentful because indeed they have played a role in either dysfunctions that are coming up in your life as an adult but there comes a time where you then have to take ownership of your own participation and so you then have to wait for that time to come. Or the the way that you have to do it then is to confront, It's either you confront it with the people that have contributed to your dysfunction, and after you've confronted them and dealt with all of that, then you have to face the fact that you also participated in the dysfunction as well. Because you can't blame your parents forever, can you? You cannot blame them forever because if you do that, then it means you're not going to progress in your life. There's not going to be any development that comes with your life as well.
0: Yeah. Yeah, okay. Sure. Yeah, that's so true. It's a tough one. eh? It's a tough one.
1: But... You do have to take ownership of your decisions that you've made as a result of your childhood pain, your childhood traumas as well. It's a difficult one, I know, but it has to happen. You do have to take ownership of your participation as well.
0: Yeah. Um, I saw one comment on one of the other old episodes I did, and someone said that they were tired of hearing about us talking about poverty and I got my trauma from being poor and all of that. And she wanted to shift <laughs> things in a very interesting way where she says that there are some kids and some people that grow up in very nice conditions, but they still, mm. like mom and dad will be, um they won't be like abusing alcohol, there'll be money in the house, there'll be this, there'll be that and you'll find that that person also still feel like there are parts of her or him that are still hurt is there at all a possibility that there are people walking around this earth and they are not traumatized at all from their childhood as an uh, as a psychologist i mean you don't know every single person that walks in this earth but other people you think just analyzing that there is a chance that someone out there could not be traumatized and they've they, they are fine, they don't. They have nothing to heal from.
1: No, definitely. I think in the book, uh, I wrote a book called The Awakened Couple, and I, I do state there that 80% of us have experienced trauma, but there is a 20% where they, they have not, the lucky ones, I call them the lucky ones, mm. no. that have not experienced any trauma at all. So definitely there are those people who are not traumatized.
0: Yeah. Yeah, it feels like, you know, when you're a child and you're looking in next door and you're like, Ooh, those ones, you know, everything is fine, they're all fine. Um and you, you sort of you want to be that twenty percent as a person. I want us to talk about acceptance of where we come from, just in closing. To can you encourage Please. us
1: to Yeah. Let's go for it. Yes, no, can I just say before we go to the acceptance? Um I want us to be careful as well in in this 20% that we're talking about. Looking at your neighbor uh, because of the materialistic things, for example, and you think that they are okay because they've got everything, does not necessarily mean in that household there is no emotional trauma. There could be that they are neglected emotionally, and that's also a trauma for, for a child. So I don't want us to say the material stuff is only... You know, um, the only thing, let's say we've grown up poor, that's not the only thing that creates trauma. Emotional neglect can also create trauma. So I don't want us to look at it in that way, in the materialistic way. I just wanted to correct that.
0: Okay. Thank you so much. Yeah, yeah. That, that puts it in such better perspective. Aren't you to, as a clinical psychologist, and you do this professionally, I want you to encourage people that are still broken and very hurt from what happened to them as children or broken from the kind of environments they grew up in that left them hurt um, in one way or another. How do you encourage an adult that still feels broken and part of their brokenness is from like, child, from their childhood trauma? How do you encourage someone like that?
1: I want to go back to what I spoke about, about the resilience I would say to them that you're quite resilient because you've been through quite a lot and that shows resilience. Um, The fact that you still can get up in the morning and go to work, the fact that you can still do certain functions on a daily basis, that to me represents resilience. And so now the next step would be to seek professional help, especially if the people around you are telling you that they see things that, or they see that you you have changed. They notice that you are becoming more depressed and they notice that you're becoming anxious. And so I think if the people around you are sort of seeing that you're not quite okay, your functioning has deteriorated, then I encourage people to seek professional help. Just know that, you know, as I said, or as we've been speaking now, that 80% of human beings, we have all at some point experienced emotional pain. We have all at some point experienced trauma. And so it's quite normal for you to not be okay. And it doesn't mean that you're weak. It doesn't mean that you cannot cope with your problems. It just means you're a human being
0: yeah yeah and i mean for ourselves as people who are trying to heal our uh, traumas it's important to see ourselves and the people that were around us growing up as human beings as people who have lived experiences themselves to see ourselves as people who had living experiences of our own that i mean like you speak about acceptance and understanding that you had a role to play um Voya, what sets you apart from other psychologists? Mm-hmm. I know that with a lot of us it's so oh difficult to get you to, to get to a point where you're like, no, now I'm going to see someone. I'm going to see mm-hmm. someone and I'm going to let it all out. What's what yes. for you says like I can make things a little bit easier for you?
1: Oh, you know, you know, the comments that I get from my clients is always that, you know what, I feel like I'm speaking to my friend here. I feel like I'm speaking to my sister. So there's that thing about me in therapy that provides that kind of comfort where people take off their shoes. You know, in therapy sessions, I have clients who take off their shoes. I have clients who lie down on the couch. They're very comfortable, you know, in my, in my space. And I, I love that about, you know, the space that I create. And I think that's what sets me apart is that I, I, I provide a, a therapeutic environment that is comfortable enough to let you be authentic and you know, let it all out. Whatever is in your heart, whatever is in your mind. I have clients who swear and they don't even feel like there's something wrong with <laughs> swearing in, in the in the therapy session. So I think that's what sets me apart.
0: Amazing. Okay, you can expect a booking from me very soon because I've thoroughly enjoyed this conversation. If there's anything you want to say to us, if there are any questions you feel I didn't touch and you'd like to enlighten us, this is your time.
1: No, I just want to say that I think your podcast is very important. I, I hope that you get more people to subscribe to your podcast because it's so important. There aren't a lot of podcasts that talk about trauma, that talk about emotional pain. So I wish you all the best with your journey and uh, hopefully a lot of other guests are going to come on where we talk about you know generational trauma we talk about emotional pain we talk about all things uh, mental health so i think your podcast is a very important one and that's all i wanted to say thank you for inviting me
0: oh man thank you so much that's so heartwarming Will. Thank you. I hope to invite you again soon, and I hope you will again accept my invite. Thank you so much, Huyoluetu. Well, guys, there you have it. Season 2 is on, and we've had our first guest, Huyoluetu Diluma. Check her out on Instagram. She shares tools, everything, intergenerational transfer of trauma. She's there for you. She's there for us. Inbox her. Yeah. See you soon. Bye.